We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. You know how we misinterpret that scripture that he that endures to the end shall be saved. <laughs> what salvation is being talked about? From sin? Uh-huh. But he doesn't outsource your preservation. He takes it on himself. So when we say finished work, we mean finished work. And so there might be somebody who feels like there's a part of you that might be seeing decay. You see, there was a lot at stake in the death and resurrection of Christ. You know, the, the, the writer prophesied that his body will not see decay. If Jesus' body had seen an iota of decay in his death, he would have lost the quality to be able to bring your preservative. If he could not preserve his own body from physical death, it's your soul he wants to preserve for eternity. He has failed. So there's a lot that, it, that was riding on the death, burial, and resurrection. That's when you begin to understand the prophetic significance of gold, frankincense, and myrrh as the gifts that were brought to Jesus. Because from the very beginning, they began to show you that this one is not going to decay. What were they going to go and embalm his body with? Frankincense and myrrh. So from his very birth, prophetically announcing what they themselves, the Magi, did not understand. They thought they brought nice spices. But they brought prophecy of the eternal preservative quality of this child that has been born and this son that has been given. And so he starts to grow in stature, in favor with God and man. He dies and his body did not see decay. Because by build, he is an eternal preservative. Just before people will take the glory and assume or conclude that it was because they embalmed him with those spices that he did not decay. He rose before they could get the chance to embalm him. Has anybody ever thought about it? Because you could at one point or the other have concluded now because they embalm him. Is that not so? Yeah, 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 he rose. Yes, we know he was going to rise and everything. But there was a human factor at work. They embalmed him at least. Because after three days, something should have started to go wrong. It was only the fourth day and Lazarus was thinking. That means the decomposition the, the of Lazarus did not start on day four. By day four, he was thinking. They said, don't, don't even bother to open this tomb. Because this guy, is smelling. The whole environment knew that this was the peak of the decomposition season. So if he was thinking by day four, it means that by day three, he had begun to decay. Now they come by day three to prevent Jesus, their loved fellow, from decaying in the flesh. So the prepared mixtures of frankincense and myrrh came quickly in the morning on the last day of his freshness. Because if they had not embalmed him that day, he, had already be, he should have already begun to decompose. Why do you search for the living among the dead? I mean, we don't know. But imagine what the women had to do with the things they mixed. Maybe waiting for somebody else to die. You know what I mean? And pass it on. Maybe throw it away. But it was worth a lot of money. I don't think they did so. Romans 8.11 If the spirit of he that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead can quicken your mortal body. How? By the spirit. So he puts his spirit in you so that when he wants to quicken you, it's your spirit that responds. And once your spirit responds, your body that contains your spirit has no choice but to spring into life. That's why you must never allow your body hold you ransom. Body is just a container. Quicken the contents long enough. Once it kicks in, your body will respond. You can't be held back by your body. So the deposit for the preservation, for the quickening of the believer is the spirit. That's why scripture says that in the book of Acts that God raised him up from the dead by his spirit. So Jesus died in the flesh, but there was spirit deposit in Jesus. So when God said, 
come forth. It was the spirit deposit in a dead Jesus that responded and came to life. The same spirit that was in a dead Jesus that brought a dead Jesus to life is the same spirit that is in you when you are tired. And the moment you begin to quicken that spirit, life comes into you. It's not of a lesser quality than that which was in a dead Jesus by which God brought him back to life. It's the same. Same quality. Jesus was dead. The spirit was there. That's why if you ever believe that the spirit of God leaves you when you sinned, you are dead. You're dead. Because when you sin, when you fall into a transgression as a believer, the reason for which the Lord brings you back and restores you is the spirit of God inside of you in spite of your sin. And they might ask you, why? How do you mean? Ask them back. How did God raise up Jesus Christ from the dead? If they can answer to you and explain it intellectually, then they have just answered how the Lord can restore you when you fall. Because now when you fall, you didn't, you didn't die. The only thing that makes a man fall out of grace is the rejection of Christ's work yes, yes, and therefore dependence on the law. Otherwise, you can't, you can't run out. So Jesus died, dead. He gave up the ghost, ghost the spirit. He, he gave up his ghost, he died, he stopped breathing. Jesus died, he did not faint. It's important for you to understand. Do you understand? It was not a play or a production where you see somebody is dead, but if you check his heart, you see that he's still breathing. Jesus did not faint. He did not pass out. He did not go unconscious. The dude died. The Roman soldiers that came to help them die helped the other guy to die by breaking his legs. Because what happens is at that point, the entire weight is resting on the lungs. And by the time they break the legs, the weight collapses and the diaphragm fails. And so the person dies by asphyxiation, by self-choking. That was the art of breaking the legs. They came to the first guy who was still alive. They broke his legs, so he died. Came to the other guy, broke his legs, so he died. Came to help Jesus to die, the guy had left. Why? Because he himself warned them. No man takes my life from me. Say, me, I'm the one that is going to lay down. No man. So you now come and say, hey, it's the Roman soldier that helped him to die out of pity. No. Before they got to him, he, he gave up the ghost. It wasn't physical pain that killed Jesus. If you go and listen to understand this gospel, you will remember these things. It wasn't physical pain that killed Jesus. His job was done. He gave it up. Everything he was going through, God was looking at him. As long as God was looking at Jesus, the assignment was not complete. At the point Jesus got to the point where God turned his face from him, the job was done. Jesus died. He gave up his spirit. He died of his own accord. Of course, there's also the, the parallel prophecy of the, of, of, of the fact that none of his bones shall be broken. So Jesus died. Paul preaches Christ and Christ crucified. I'm emphasizing Jesus died so that you understand what it means when we say Jesus was dead. Have you got it now? Jesus did not faint. He didn't enter into a coma. It was full stop. In the deadness of Jesus was a deposit of life. Inside the total deadness of Jesus was an element of God that only responds to God. So in the lowest, craziest, deadest times of your life, there is an eternal deposit in you that is guaranteed to always respond to God. So now you can understand that scripture in Romans 8.11. If the spirit of he that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, which dead in you is too dead? When you are still physically alive. When he that was physically dead could hear, come forth. And he came forth not borrowing anything by which he died. The linen cloth they covered him with was nicely folded and kept in the corner. He didn't arise looking for what to wear. He arose and alas, he found out he was naked. 
No, he arose glorified. He arose not any similitude of the Jesus that died. The one that died is the one that will heal you and say, don't tell anybody. The one that died is the one that when he shows up, they say, no, 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 no. Want to make you king, he will melt among the crowds and disappear. The one that rose spent 40 days showing up. He showed himself among them with many infallible proofs, the Bible says, over 40 days. Frying fish without frying it, showing us, showing up in rooms without using doors, just doing stuff willy-nilly because this is a glorified Jesus that does not have to tone it down no more. That's why Micah prophesied in chapter 7, I believe. Weep not over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise again. As long as the stump is still in there. Chop off the tree. The stump is there. Rise again. So Jesus went through everything that showed his qualification as the eternal preservative. So that when scripture now says that you are preserved in Christ. Excuse me. Check his preservation resume. Do you understand? Check his preservation CV. He himself, he died. He himself, he woke himself up. From the dead by himself. That was inside himself when himself was dead. Now if pathologists dissected the dead Jesus' body. They will see nothing by which he was able to rise again. Because in all, to all intents and purposes he was dead. But in the midst of what they could see and not see was a deposit of the God kind. And we will check it and look at your issue and we will see that man. There is no hope or help, Psalm 3, for him in God. There's people that are so professional, they are PhD holders in the dealings of God. So when you're going through stuff, they scan God on your behalf. They put your name inside God. Have you checked for something on on Google before and it comes up with zero hits found? They now come and say, we have checked inside God. And for you, there's no help. How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. The people that were saying there is no help for you in God are people that believe that they know God and they themselves are in God and they know so much of being inside God that they have ascertained that inside God there is no help for you. It's not unbelievers that are telling you that there is no help for you in God because unbelievers are not in God. It's Christians, people who are inside God, so to speak, and have searched your matter. Inside God and concluded, zero hits found. They tell you, please, God cannot help you. Because there's, there's nothing in your matter that looks like there is a deposit of grace. Nothing in your matter that looks like God is going to help you. But if the spirit of he that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you. Not the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. It doesn't say the spirit of he that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you. The spirit of he will quicken you. No, no, no. If the spirit of he, the emphasis is he. That raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you. That he that raised up Christ from the dead using the spirits that raised him up. Which is now resident in you. It means that what God did to Jesus, God can do to you. If God raised Jesus by the deposit of the spirit. And that same spirit at the same substance and quality is inside you. Then God can raise you anytime he likes. So Romans 14 says that who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls and then he promises. He gives a clear cut promise and he is able to stand. He shall stand for God is able to make him stand. That's why we restore one another gently in love. So he's your preservative. You can't go bad. Try as hard as you want. You can't go bad because God's name is at stake in the matter of your preservation. You go bad. How will God explain to God that the material, the product he was preserving was too strong for him? He applied the preservative about you, your matter so, so bad. You now overcame the preservative and went bad successfully. God will ask Jesus, so how come you yourself did not successfully go bad when you died? How could you even successfully die as God? Say you died, eh? you're God. 
and you died. They killed you. Okay, they didn't kill you. You gave yourself up. Yeah. You now woke up. Yeah, brought yourself back. You didn't let them put any embalming something on you. Then Sonia now went bad. And Sonia's matter was so bad that you could not preserve her to the end. But you could wake yourself from the dead. How do you think the council of heaven is going to have that conversation? The El Elyon, the Godhead. How do you think God and this one will be talking? Ah, that, the matter is, ah, God, you needed to see what they were doing. We preached, we preached, we prayed, we prayed. We corrected, we corrected. We instructed, we reproved in all righteousness. We did instruction, we did everything. She just, that God, man, oh, if you were here on the earth, eh, if you're the one living inside her like this, eh, the tension inside that child's heart all the time. I, I could not stand it anymore. I had to leave. I, I, I had to leave. It was terrible. Look at my body now. See, I've lost weight. Look at my complexion. When I entered her body, I was... F- I was fresh. But now her issues have buffeted me in this life. And when I realized it was a lost cause, gave up. The day Jesus does that is the day he will have to undie, unresurrect, be unborn, and go back to the point where we have that conference. Who shall go for us and who shall we send? And we have to nominate another person because that here I am sending me was a lie. We have to go back to the foundation of the world. Unslay that lamb that was slain. It's not Jesus. Call another person. I don't know who you're going to call, but call another person. Have another child. Because this Jesus is not good. And the word good in your Bible means what? Fit for purpose. This Jesus is not fit for purpose. He's not preservative enough. But like I said a few minutes ago, check his preservation CV now. He himself, he died. He himself kept himself from decaying. He himself killed himself. He himself now woke up himself. He himself quickened himself by himself. He now brought you into himself to preserve you with the same quality of preservative by which he did not see decay. If he didn't see decay, you can't. That's what the songwriter means, or maybe they don't understand that. That's what it means when they say, if you left your grave behind you. So me, I said, so have I. So will I. I'm not in any grave. So as to leave it. Because the moment he rose, the Paul says, we all rose with him. So I'm not planning to leave no grave. I left it. Because he's able to keep me. And he's keeping me inside himself. So I cannot see decay. I said, I, Alexander, cannot see decay. I cannot be spoiled. I cannot be rotted. I cannot be lost. I cannot be forgotten. I'm eternally preserved. Eternally. Eternally. Eternally preserved. I am eternally preserved. Preservation for the believer is not a prayer point. 15, the guy turned to his, his older son, the real prodigal son. The one that was at home was the one that was lost. What did he know? The father said to all I have, all, plus the portion I gave you when your brother left, plus your brother's portion that he took, plus everything else I made since your brother left and I've been here, plus everything I have now is yours. The mothers of the baby goats you are looking for. You didn't give me a kid. You didn't give me a goat to eat with my friends. The, the mother goats, burning the goats that you're hustling for, is yours. Please tell me who is the lost son. Who is the prodigal son? Stuff is yours. You're begging for it. You should have given me that one baby goat. Then eat with my friends. The best way to give God thanks is to take more of what he has given. He said you thank him better by taking more of what he has given you. Salvation has nothing to do with modesty. There's nothing you take that depletes the essence of God. Nothing. That's why you thank him small and you stop. Because you feel like you're bugging his ears. You have a little need. You come to him. You have another one. You come to him. You have another one. You come to him. You feel like you're disturbing him. He's delighted in your delight. Say, Father, I thank you for healing. I collected for today. I thank you for supply as I'm using it now. Every, I told you in this house, in the STP, the kingdom of God is about taking advantage. Yes, you are taking advantage of me. That's what the kingdom is about. What is salvation if not you taking advantage of God? Yes, sir. God like this. God became flesh. God died for you. When you were still his enemy, 
when you were shouting crucify him how about barabbas the criminal he released that one to us that's when he died for you how foolish can that be so what can you take from him now if he did not spare his own son romans 32 right but freely give, give him up for you how, how will he not along with him freely give you how many things so you thank him better by taking more of what is his what is his is yours you take it it doesn't run out it has nothing to do with you the, the cycle of love is complete in God loving you. Your loving God back is not what completes the love cycle. It's a cycle of love. And it is complete in God loving you. Because God loving you is God loving him. You are in his image. He sees you. He sees him. So that's, how, that's why Paul says, no man hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it. The reason why God is loving you is because of the him that is in you. So he had to put him in you so he can have a divine entity to do business with. And God cannot molest himself. So a husband that molests a wife or a man that molests a woman is a man who has not understood that that woman is an expression, not extension. We are not extensions of God. God does not need extensions. No human being can extend God. We are extensions of God in the earth. It means that God's leg cannot reach Calabas out. You understand? His leg, is, his leg is not long enough. He now recruited you as an extension to get to where God cannot get to. We, we must be careful some of the language we use in church. No, we are full-bodied representations. Expressions of his image. So a man that molests a woman is a man that does not see her as his image. And mostly it is a man that has not walked in the woman. No man will molest or harass a woman that he molded and presented to himself as a bride without spot, blemish or wrinkle. It's a lie. It's because the man finished running around and then when it was time to marry, he now took something that he thought was ready-made. That's why boys can't marry, no matter how old you are. Until you are ready to take something at, at raw material form. And form it and fashion it and form and fashion it and form and fashion it until you too can look and say, this is very good. That's how your father brought you about. So in God loving you, the love cycle is complete. Because in loving you, he has loved himself back. In loving you, he has collected love from himself, from the love he deposited in you that is him. He is the preservative. You cannot spoil. Try it. Have you not tried it already? You have tried it. You have messed yourself up. Then you yourself have convinced yourself. I know this one God cannot forgive me. And most people out there are not believers because they have successfully been convinced that their case is hopeless. Do you realize that? Yeah. Most people are afraid of your, your version of God. Bloodthirsty animal. You see you like this, you mess up, he will kill you. So they tell you, please, let us enjoy ourselves first. Because where we are outside, God is not killing us because we are not his children. Can you hear how stupid that Christian version of God is? You are a sinner doing sin outside. God no will kill you. The moment you become a believer and enter church and sin one sin, God will finish you. God will take your job. God will kill your children. God will make you barren. God will strike you dead. God will release the devourer. He has a big cage. Where he breeds devourers. But when you were in the world, you could use your money on anything and no devourer was disturbing you. Excuse me, I don't want that your God. Keep him, thank you very much. So the unbeliever will tell you, please let us finish. Because this is your God there. Once we enter, it's one chance. He did not come to reconcile the church. He didn't die for the church. God was God in Christ. Because remember when I taught you that Christ is the logos of God. The entire, anything God can do is Christ is the best God can do. God cannot do better than Christ. Christ is the best. Dare God all you want. Poke your finger in his eye all you want. He cannot outperform his delivery of Christ. 
It's the best. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So the fact that pastor has beef with the world or evangelist goes and tells people, you will die today, you will spend your life in eternity in hell, does not mean that they're a reflection of God. God is not using fear to draw anybody to himself. He's using love and there's no fear in love. And people hear that message and either respond in fear or rebel because there's no virtue in it. There's no life in it. He came that they might have life, not fear. A condemned man already knows he's condemned. That's why he doesn't know that he's saved. Ouch. See, the Holy Spirit's ministry is not just in the church. The Holy Spirit has been ministering in the world before the church. Jesus said when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will convict the world. (laughs) So before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was ministering in the world. If the Holy Spirit was not ministering in the world, nobody can believe. How do you you think you believe? So you are an unbeliever. Unregenerate in your mind. You now heard the gospel. You now use that unregenerated mind to say, I believe. No, now. That's why that faith by which you believed is a gift. It's a gift. Do you get it now? So even in your unbelieving state, the deposit that made you believe was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In the world, he was ministering to you as a son. He will not leave you. The Holy Spirit out there in the world. Jesus says, nobody comes to me except my father draws him. And who is the active agent of the father in the world? The Spirit of God. In the absence of, of order, in the presence of chaos, the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. When there was nothing, there was Holy Spirit ministry. When life was formless and void, the Holy Spirit was ministering. Put yourself in those shoes because now you are a new creation. It's once upon a time, you are an old creation. And even in that old creation, the Spirit of God was hovering. So he brought you by his Spirit into sonship. And then in sonship, now you make one mistake. You sneeze and he leaves you. What kind of spirit? That, can, that Spirit cannot be holy. That's a familiar spirit. But we are eternally preserved. It's a thing of joy. It's a thing of pride. It's a thing of praise. And it's not modesty to go, let me not, you know, use it, my brother. Use it. It doesn't run out. In using it, you are giving him thanks. Ah, but he's a preservative. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.